He's the comforter, the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And you've identified him. You've identified who he is. You've identified what he's done, what he can do, what he's able to do. And then we sing this song. What's the point of talking about everything he can do and then you carry that burden? Why walk out of here without your miracle when you worship the God of miracles? And so it's absolutely fitting that we start with worship. I think that it's not that we're trying to butter God up, although it's easy to think that way, but I'm not buttering God up. I'm identifying he can. And then I'm going to bring my need and say, as they said in the Gospels, if you can, if you will, Lord, and if you'll read the Gospels, the Lord would answer, I will. I will. So say I need the all I need thee. Every hour, Lord, I need thee. Oh, bless me. you peace. Those 
those of you that need a healing, he's in the place. Come and he will heal. We're in his presence now. We're in his arena now. We're in his dominion now. We're in his domain now. We're in his kingdom now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I live you. I love you, Jesus. I feel his presence here. Would you find your seats for a moment? It was at the end of March as we begin to look into the next month and uh, we were I, I told the, the platform staff today we were in the Kenyan airport had some cell phone service so I called Brother Lee and we were talking just making sure y'all hadn't gone crazy since Sister Buford and I had left we got talking about things that were happening and, and in that that phone message, the Lord began to speak to both Brother Lee and myself, and that's where this theme, this push of outpouring was birthed. It's when y'all got on board and began to, I think it was the next Sunday or whenever, y'all began to do that prayer and fasting calendar that's still out there. Thank you for those that are participating in that. And so, uh, I like it when you, you know, sometimes you, you say, did I hear from God or was it the pizza that I ate? But I like it when you know you heard from God. Brother Lee told me later, he, he said he remembers hearing Brother Billy Cole say, people would ask Brother Billy Cole, who was an incredible revivalist, evangelist, he's passed on to his reward, but very mightily used in, in massive revivals in Ethiopia and the Philippines and Thailand. But uh, someone asked him, said, Brother Cole, how, how come everywhere you go, people get the Holy Ghost and miracles happen? And Brother Cole said, you got it all wrong. I go where God says go. Because if God says go here and people are going to get the Holy Ghost, if I go there, it's going to happen. God is not following me. I'm following him. And that's what this church has done. I, I, I got to apologize because we got to look and in the office, and we missed it. So, Brother Harrison, where are you at? Come up here, Brother Harrison. Is he here? Come on. Brother Harrison, January 29th, and I know that's a couple months ago, but he got baptized, and somewhere we missed giving him a baptismal certificate. Wrong Harrison. This Harrison, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Come on. And so I apologize, Harrison, for, for not not uh, given that. Stay right here. And then uh, on, on April the 2nd, and I don't believe she's here, but Sister Karen Avery, this is Becky's sister, was here. And in the middle of that, God filled her and uh, she was baptized in Jesus' name. And we're thankful for that. And because revival's not limited to our building on April the 7th, Patty got the Holy Ghost at North America, or, uh, Missouri Youth Convention. I like this. Hold that, Sister Patty. And then, because it's a month of outporting, and I don't, I don't see him today, but Brother Adian, or yeah, I do, now I do, I just saw him. I'm used to you right here, Brother Adian. 
Uh, you're backsliding on me. You moved back, but no, not really. Brother Adian, come on up. Brother Adian Johnson, April 9th, received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And then on April the 16th, one of the coolest experiences of my 43 years was we baptized simultaneously Chris and Sharma Thorpe. Would y'all come on up? And not only that, as I drop things, Sister Sharma couldn't wait, and so as soon as she hit the water, she lifted up her hands, and God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Guys, would y'all just come and make a line? We're going to take a picture right here as we celebrate the outpouring of what God is doing in O'Fallon. Because this is that, spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit. And we're not done. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to hear a message in just a second from Bishop Steve Williford. And then when that's all said and done, at the very least, we're going to baptize Walker in the name of Jesus. Did I miss Walker's Holy Ghost certificate, or did he get it? Okay. I knew he had he'd gotten the Holy Ghost, but I think he was here. And some of y'all, we, we wanted to make sure we, we, y'all were here. But uh, Walker got the Holy Ghost the first Sunday of April, I believe. And so we celebrate that as well. God is doing amazing things at Lighthouse, and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. And before I bring Brother Willerford up, we have some late-breaking news, meaning we missed an announcement that we forgot to give Brother Justin. He didn't miss it. We forgot to give it to him. But uh, on May the 6th, there's a Lighthouse Anchors outing. They're going to Lottawatta Creek. You're going to meet at 1 p.m. on May the 6th to carpool. You can see Sister LaWanda or Sister Michelle. But if you want to go, they're trying to get it all connected in the West Fourier. is a sign-up sheet today that you can sign up if you want to go that way they can be prepared. How many of you ladies were a part of Ladies Weekend this Friday and Saturday? I was blessed. My wife and I, we split duty. I went to Apostolic Pentecostal Church, and they had a men's conference going on, and I was a part of that while you ladies were having a Ladies Weekend. And uh, I understand Friday night there was almost 70 or maybe a little over 70 ladies that gathered here to worship and a powerful move of God. And then yesterday, an incredible group of ladies, and y'all had panel discussion and worship. And uh, I am so thankful, ladies, for your investment in that. And um, I'm thankful for our men's director, Brother Olfen. Brother Olfen, we got, we got a ways to go. We got to catch up to these ladies and what they're doing uh, Brienne said there's 28 ladies that are going to ladies conference, which is a record for our church as far as I can tell. If you're part of those 28 ladies, you need to go into the chapel as soon as church is over for a quick meeting so you can make sure you know what's going on. But uh, coming up 
in, in, in September is men's conference. And I know Brother Olfen and myself, we're expecting at least 28 men to go to men's conference. So guys, start getting ready. It's going to be a great time. We're looking forward to it. We can't wait to see what God is doing in all of our church. Brother Williford is no stranger to the Missouri District, to St. Louis. He's pastored APC as long as I can remember. That when, when I started driving our youth group, many of us would go to their youth services. Uh, was it Saturday nights? Saturday nights there at 13th and Gravoy in the old church building. And uh, I remember going there and being ministered. One of my very first children's services that I did as a children's evangelist was in the basement of the old sanctuary. Just some incredible things that, that is there. But more than that, Brother Williford has served as our district superintendent. He now serves as our district elder. But he is an encourager, and he speaks into the lives of everyone that he gets in, 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 in contact with. And he has he and Sister Williford have spoken and invested so much in Sister Buford and I, and we appreciate it. A month or so ago, we had our camp meetings, and he preached a message. And as he was preaching that message, I felt the Lord nudge me that it was a message Lighthouse needed to hear. Now, that's, that's a different thing. Normally, we don't want to hamstring our, our preachers and tell them what to preach. And I, several times since then, have get, given Brother uh, Williford carte blanche to change it and preach anything he felt Lighthouse needs to preach. But he's said God has continued to impress upon him. And in this month of outpouring, one of the things we need an outpouring is is a revival in our homes. And we're seeing that. We're seeing generations that are being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm so glad you and Sister Williford are here. Brother Williford, would you come and would you preach the Word of God to us? We welcome you to Lighthouse. God bless you in Jesus' name. And praise the Lord, everybody. It feels good in here. Because as Brother Buford was saying, it's because God's here. You get God and his people, his presence, open hearts, hungry lives, and anything is possible. I just, I feel such the wonderful touch and the sweet presence of God I've, I've lived in this I grew up in this when my parents came into the church they came to the church at Brother Walter Gwynn's church in the north side of the city and then at the age of 10 we moved to Brother Branding's church at 13th and Gravoy all of my life I have been blessed to be surrounded by the people of God and the presence of God and God's goodness. And so, I don't know how many Sundays it's been. I just turned 70 this week. Sister Buford and I share a birthday. And, uh, no, she's not 70. <laughs> you know that well. So, I don't know what Sunday this is as far as the number of Sundays that I've been blessed to be in the presence in the house of God I just know this I don't want to miss anything on this Sunday and I don't think you do either 
Would you just, I just, boy, his presence is here. Would you just lift your hands right now and let's just thank the Lord for his blessing and his presence. Lord, I'm very thankful to you. I'm very thankful for your presence that is in this sanctuary. It's been here. It has been here before we got here and as we have worshiped. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, worship ministry, for setting the tone for such a great day. There were songs of faith that we were singing a while ago. Mountain, do you think you don't have to bow? Chains are going to break. I love that kind of confidence because we serve a great God. We serve a great God. And there is nothing too hard for him today. There is nothing. There is not a request. There is not a sickness. There is not an ailment. There is not a family situation. The Lord is over it all. And according to his plan and his will, he can do it today if he chooses. We're choosing to say, God, go ahead. God, have your way and have your will. And he is going to do that. It's a delight to be here. I was honored when Brother Buford, a couple of months ago, made this invitation. Thank you, Brother Buford. And I want to stop and just say an appreciation for him coming this recent weekend. He blessed and strengthened our men of APC with some messages that you could wrap your life and your hand and your brain around. And he made it where it just applied so well. And it spoke to hearts, and it did give us direction. So thank you, Pastor Buford, for coming. And we appreciate Brother and Sister Buford and their strength to our Missouri district. It's, it's just wonderful, the family of God. I give honor to Brother and Sister Buford Sr. Thank you for all that you have given to the work in the kingdom of God. And I, I, I'm seeing so many connections here. I would get into trouble to try to start listing them. And, uh, but the faithful people of God, we're blessed. We're blessed to have the family of God everywhere. One of these days, we're all going to heaven together. One of these days, we're all going to heaven. In every pre-service meeting on Sundays, Pastor Brad DeLong always calls us to pray for our sister churches throughout the St. Louis metro. And that causes me to pause and thank God for all of the ministry that's here and then all of the saints of God that are going to be gathering and so I know they did that this morning in their pre-service meeting it's just wonderful to have the tremendous family of God that we we enjoy I'm glad my wife is able to be with me today and uh, as you husbands all know and families all know what a strength our ladies and it sounds like you let your you ladies came out of a wonderful Weekend where the Lord spoke to you and blessed you, and we just need the strength of God in every facet of our family. We, we need it. As Brother Buford said, he has given me options, but I have felt a continual press to preach what he requested, but I believe it's more than the pastor's request today. I feel like it's the request of the Holy Ghost. The first institution that was established by God was the family. 
think about it, before there was a church, and we're all thankful for the church, but really when you think about it, it's the families that make up the church, right? It's, it's individuals that love God, and there's all kind of definitions for families, and I'm talking about good definitions now. I may mention some others later, but there may be just two people together. There may be two family members, uh, maybe a sister or two sisters or some that live together or a parent that lives with their children now or a husband or wife or a family that where there are children. So I, I'm just going to talk about family, but when I mean that, I'm talking about all kind of households. Because even if you are a single individual and live all alone, you are an important house to God. The first institution was the family. The family is important to God. And because it's important to God, it's attacked by the enemy. All of us are honest today, and we, we would say we face an attack against our families by the enemy in this day that we live in. Sometimes we can get to thinking, what's wrong with me or what's wrong with my, uh, my husband role? What is wrong with our family that we are being attacked? But if you're endeavoring to live for God and live by the word of God and give yourself to him, that doesn't, just because you have an attack against you, it doesn't mean you are out of sorts with God. In fact, it may mean all the more that you are fulfilling the will and the work of God as you lead your family to be saved. Way back in 1947, this is striking to me, a man, Carl Zimmerman, wrote a book, Family and Civilization, and he made some observations about the disintegration of cultures, and he paralleled that with the decline of family life. He gave eight specific patterns of behavior that was happening in cultures, and he connected it to the family. As go the culture, so goes the family. Here's what he noted. One of the eight was increasing interest and spread of sexual perversions and sex-related crimes. You know, many times a nation is not defeated by an attack from the outside, but is defeated from what's going on in the inside. The same is true with our families. He also noted a growing desire. This is 1947, folks. A growing desire for the acceptance of adultery. Acceleration of juvenile delinquency. Promiscuity and rebellion. Marriage losing its sacredness, frequently broken by divorce. The traditional of the meaning of the marriage ceremony being lost. Increased public disrespect for parents and authority. And I looked across here, and I want to say to these students today, thank God for godly, holy students and young people who love God and are putting their heart into the service of the kingdom of God. And the last thing he noted was the refusal of people to accept family 
responsibilities. Brother Joel Urshan tweeted some months ago, he quoted the scripture from the book of Joshua, as for me and my house, we will, and he left three blanks. We know that Joshua wrote and said, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day. How will you fill in those blanks? As for me and my house, we will blank, blank, blank. I sense a spirit in here today, and I'm preaching toward this today. We're going to answer those blanks. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There are enemies that would try to come against the church and against the family. I read today from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. It goes back and reaches into the Genesis record and picks up that hero of the faith by the name of Noah. Verse 7 of Hebrews 11. And I, I want you to notice every phrase and every word of this text if you can and I'll try to help us along by focusing on some of those phrases. By faith, everybody say by faith. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. I'll pause right here before I finish the verse. Family leaders, parents, and others, they do hear from God. And they sense things not yet seen. It says that Noah was moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and through that became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I lay to you this simple title for your remembrance today, Saving Our families, saving our families. We are on an evangelistic thrust at APC. We are praying for what we're calling our field. That's the places where the people of the church live, their neighborhoods. That's their field. And it's the area in the neighborhood around APC. And we pray for that. We should. We are on a mission to save our community, everything we can do. But before that, we must save our families. Saving our families. I pray today that God helps us to have a vision, a greater vision, develop a vision and a burden for our family. I feel the heaviness of God in this room today. His touch and his presence. Noah prepared that ark. His intention was not just to build a boat. His intention was not just to build something different, and it was different. His intention according to this verse, was not to be known in history. And he is known in history. And some of you have probably got the chance to go down into Kentucky 
and view the replica of the ark. And I, I was walking up toward that thing forever got in, and I was saying, oh, my Lord, how did he do it? How did he do it? Without all of the ingenuity and the materials that we have today, and you probably owe it to yourself to make it visit there at some point and some time. But he wasn't just doing it to be known in history, although he was and is. Noah was on a mission. According to this book, the reason he built that ark, the reason he spent scores of years, the reason he picked up a hammer or whatever instrument, the reason he gathered that gopher wood is because I want my family to be saved. I've often wondered how it how, how it challenged him to be faithful in the number of years that it took him to build that ark. What kept you going, Noah? But when he didn't feel like it, he built. When it didn't feel right, he built. Here's why. He wanted his young persons. He wanted his wife. He wanted every family. And I feel that desire in this room today. I don't think there's anybody in here that wants to be lost themselves or wants anybody that they are related to to be lost. We must save our family. And it's no wonder he felt this way. I'm going to give you a little background here. You've read it in Genesis. It says the wickedness of man was great. And every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was great. And there was evil continually. And it repented the Lord. This is how serious it was in that day. God looks down and he's saying, I am sorry that I created humanity. I'm sorry I made them. I'm, I'm sorry that this is happening and the Bible says in verse 6 of Genesis 6, it grieved him at his heart. And it repeats again in verse 7 that it repented me that I have made them. And as I was reading through that, you possibly began to make some connection to that day and 2023. Jesus did. He said, as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. He said they were eating and they were drinking, they were marrying wives, they were given in marriage right up until the day. It was business as usual right up until the day the flood came, the rain started to fall. This is one of the reasons we can't afford just to do church. Because the flood is about to happen. The judgment of God is about to come. The rain is about to fall, if you please. And it's happening all around us, sin. And you wonder, is righteousness going to prevail? And God, do you see what's going on? Oh, yes, he does see. But we know that all of that is happening. That's why we need altar services. And I pray to the Lord we have one today. I'm going to invite you today. I've got a little video clip. I just want you to see the day that we are living in now. It's just a small picture. 
As we celebrate pride on the progress we've made over these past years, there's still work to be done. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you. You think we're sinful? You fight against our rights. You say we all lead lives you can't respect. But you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. You can keep them from disco. Warn about I contemplated whether or not to show that to the congregation. Something chills me about this day that we are, folks, we're on a mission. That's, that's why we come to the house of God, for the saving of our family. And I'm preaching today that anybody can be saved including that person who just produced and who we saw on that screen. Anybody can be saved. But I also know there is an agenda in this world. And if we think the enemy is playing games, we are sadly mistaken. And we are not, I feel it in this church. I feel it from your leader. I feel it from the leadership, your youth pastor. I feel it. We are going to have our families saved by the grace and the help of God. We got to get on a mission. I feel like picking up a hammer and a piece of wood and do whatever I can to build an ark to save my three girls, my two sons-in-law, my three grandkids. Woo! Hatabahaya haya. That verse starts, and you repeated that phrase with strength by faith. Noah had faith in what God, what God told him to do. And he also had faith in how God told him to do it. Think about this. Noah didn't have a valid, concrete, world-certified evidence that what he was doing was right. There was no rain previous. There had never been a disastrous flood before. The ark itself was unusual. It was one of a kind. But he had enough evidence. He had a word from God and faith. Sometimes family member, son, daughter, teenager, dad, mom, grandparent, all you have is a faith in God. But hold on. That's what saved Noah's family. Uh, this isn't the way the world or the majority says to guide or handle your life or your family. No, it's not. But we're not going by the tangible. 
We're not going by what's popular. We're not going by what's accepted. You and your family are going to be saved because you were moved with a faith in God and a fear of God and a reverence for God's word. The scripture, the spirit, the church, and the standard for families, uh, it must, that must be our standard. The world is not our standard. It, what does this say? It's how does the church feel? It's where is my leader leading me? And I'll just throw this in because others lack faith and lack respect and lack obedience and prioritize temporal life priorities above godly spiritual priorities. That challenges us sometimes, but just because they do doesn't mean that you will do the same thing. Just because... Families do not set solid, straight, biblical guidelines in the life of their family. That will not exempt you or I from the responsibility of setting godly guidelines. I speak strength into some family leader right now. Stand straight and tall. Open your mouth and say, this is right. This is wrong. We're going to pray. We're going to church today. We're going to fast. What others don't do will not save you or your family. But godly guidelines and holy values will. Just because other families, other parents, other kids allow something, that's not a valid reason for a change in the dedication points that you set for your family, for your kids, and for your own life. Here's why. We're using a different blueprint. Noah had no other blueprint but God's blueprint. He said, this is the blueprint I'm going to stick with. This is, ooh, hallelujah. I feel a love for the word of God. I don't want it to change. I don't want it true, pure worship. When we started singing that old song a while ago, I need thee. That was more than lyrics and more than words in the line of a song. There were our hearts were calling out. We know we need him. We must never lose that lighthouse. We must never lose. Oh, thank the Lord. That's the blueprint we're using. And to build the ark and to save his family. Hear me on this. It required an all-out commitment. Time, finance, energy, relationships, his reputation. Man, they're crazy. They're building all the time. They're going to church all the time. An all-out commitment. Here's the thing. Everything else, and I'm broken right now because I don't feel like I've always measured up. Everything else became secondary to saving his family. I read a few articles. It's, it's been over 10 years now about young Gabriella. Douglas, Gabby Douglas, the Olympian, the gymnast, won gold medals at 16 in the 2012 Olympics. She went on to win several others. I read that she started training at the age of six. 
cheek. In that article then, and it's, it's certainly escalated by now, to reach Olympic level, at least the spending of over $20,000. You better believe we're going to have a good SOC offering. I'm giving $100 to your SOC offering, brother. I just feel it right now. This isn't an offering message, but I'm just telling you, everything else becomes secondary. Everything else. They relocated. Her mother was a single mom. She relocated from Virginia to Des Moines, Iowa. Total upheaval. And moving halfway across the country so that she could be near a training center and coaches that would help her. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a gymnast. I'm not preaching against that. I'm preaching for the kind of commitment that our world makes to something temporal, to something that will not last. I'm going to tell you, they're going to fold up the parallel bars. Uh, the Olympics are going to be done and over, but there's an eternity that we're headed for. There are years and years around the throne that we're headed for. And they interviewed her mother, whose name was Natalie. Here's what she said. This was the worst gut-wrenching decision. I have ever made in my entire life. She's talking about the move and all the investment. The most gut-wrenching decision. But hear what this mama said. But then I came to a place of resolve. And she said to herself, okay, Natalie, you've got this one chance to get this right. You mess this up. It's not going to come around again. We got one chance to get all of this right, to make sure that we're saved, make sure that we expend the influence that we can. And I'm just going to tell you, I, I respect that mother for her transparency, and I respect the resolve that she had. I wish it would have been directed toward God and serving God, but I still, I, I respect it. You've got this one chance. She made up her mind. She determined that's going to be my priority right there. My daughter being an Olympic gymnast is my life priority. And it paid off. So I just submit to you today as kindly as I can, but with feeling as deep in my heart, what's your first priority? Are you willing to face the gut-wrenching decision that says, this is going to cost me something? And it may not be easily explained to others. Noah, his family, he stayed with it. They're saying that it could have taken anywhere from 40 to 80 or maybe even more years to construct the ark. Saving your family is not a time-lapse project. <laughs> I think it happens Sunday by Sunday. 
and youth service by youth service and worship, worship song by worship song happens a little here. And sometimes as we're going through building the ark to save our family, we, we get a little frustrated or we, we question ourselves, is this worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to lead my family to the house of God? Is it worth it to make sure that they're committed to those youth times? Is it, is it important? Is it important? still important that I, I take that day of fasting? I'm going to tell you, when I was growing up, Tuesday was fast day. And there wasn't any cheating. <laughs> and I don't know what I mean by that. I just, I mean, everybody fast different. But for us, it was, it was uh, no food. And it was, uh, when we woke up on Tuesday morning, we knew that was fast day. And we didn't get to eat till Wednesday breakfast. I look forward to Wednesday breakfast. I'm just telling you. Mom made bacon and eggs and biscuits. And it was like, uh, whoo. <laughs> it was... It was hard to say it was worth the wait, you know, but uh, you know what? My 92-year-old dad, still alive, serving God, my mom has gone on to be with the Lord. I'm so thankful, and I tell him every chance I get, thank you, Dad. I'm going to tell you, students, I wasn't thanking him then. I got hungry. But I've never figured out a way to fast and not get hungry. <laughs> so, one, one meal at a time, one day at a time. Oh, I thank God. It, it's a time, it, 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 it just goes and goes and goes. It's not a time-lapse project. And still today, if I'd, have been, if I'd have been at APC and when I walked out of my church office and I come out that door and right there, it, he sits right toward the back on that side of the auditorium, what I'll see every Sunday morning is a gray head because he'll be on his knees kneeling and talking to the Lord about that service or about any other need that it has. I thank God for consistency. Whew. And I feel that also in this place right now. Faithfulness and consistency. I'm just saying that as a word of encouragement. Stay with it. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Stay faithful to every church service. I heard one kid said he was brought up on drugs. I thought, what are you talking about? You've been in church all your life. He said, I was drugged to Tuesday night. And I was drugged to Wednesday night. And I was drugged to Sunday morning. Seek and capitalize, hear me, hear me. Seek and capitalize on every opportunity you have. We're going to have one in a few minutes. You got it right now. Conviction swept through this place a few moments ago. Oh, Pastor, I appreciate the freedom of the Holy Ghost that is that lighthouse. And if you feel like being burdened and crying and weeping and it's already been purposed here today and... I don't know, I got a feeling that that last song, Brother Caleb, was, may not have been on all of the agenda. I need thee, I need thee, but the Spirit led in that direction. We've got to have, we've got to take, we've got to capitalize on every opportunity. This is, sometimes we say this is somebody's opportunity. I, I'm going to change that today. This is everybody's opportunity today. 
I'm going back to the book. I'm going to take my family back to the book. We're going to keep reading scriptures. We're going to keep memorizing scriptures. Sunday school teacher, keep teaching. Being warned of God. Being warned of God. Noah was sensitive enough to hear from God and recognize that it's a warning. Stay sensitive and prayerful. The Bible describes God's message and his instructions to Noah as a warning. You know, we're a little bit tentative about that word today because maybe we're afraid of scaring people or we're sensitive about how we say it and we want to say it and we want to be politically correct. But I'm going to tell you, warnings are going to save us. I just want to pose some questions for you to take. and You won't answer them right now, but I want you to answer them later on. Would I listen and then obey if someone gave me a warning? And I'm giving one here today, I feel. Would I pay attention? But let me add to that. Especially if it was a family member. Noah, the dad, had to say, listen, we need to build this ark. We need salvation. It's tough for the one giving the warning, and it's not easy for the one receiving the warning. But I pray that we are sensitive to the warnings of God. Do I listen when I get a prompting through a song? I felt one a while ago. That's going to be one of the prayer points when we pray at this altar. I need thee, God. There's none of us that can make it on our own. Brother Buford, no matter how long we've served God, no matter how many years, and no matter the things that are in our experience and repertoire, if you want to say it that way, we still need, I need thee, Lord. I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Do I listen when conviction attends a sermon? Or when, as they say, the preacher steps on my feet? Am I aligning myself with what God wants? It's so important to obey, obey. That's what it said. He, by faith, Noah prepared an ark. He didn't get it just any kind of wood. He got the wood that God told him to get. He built it by the specifications that God told them to build. We have a mandate from God to do whatever we can to make sure our families are saved and he's going to make sure that we are well aware of it. I want to say something right now about the home and I'm nearing the close of the message. The home and the members and the leaders of the family have the greatest responsibility. Not the church. I said the greatest. Now, does the church have a responsibility? Yes, the church does. Not the pastor, not the youth pastor, not the Sunday school teacher. But we must set such an example in priorities and values and spiritually safe boundaries that our family could be saved if there was no church. We've got the church. 
We've got teaching ministry. We've got youth ministry. Oh, I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for it. I'm not debunking that, but I'm saying all of that will only get its strength from what happens at home. And the first responsibility rests upon Noah, his family, Build that ark. I'm telling you today, I'm appealing to every family member, do whatever you can do to build that ark and save your family. Stand with me if you would, please. Somebody has said courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. But it also takes courage to sit down and listen. Don't lose your reverence and your respect for God, his word, his church, or his man. Noah, it says he was moved with fear. He wasn't fearing drowning. That fear there, when you trace it, it's a reverence and a respect. Noah wasn't afraid of, and it was going to be cataclysmic what was going to happen. Flood, everything on this earth, drowning. Oh, I have a personal fear of water. I can get in it, but I'm not good in it. And I can just imagine, we were on board a cruise ship, and they predicted there was an earthquake, and so a tsunami was coming. And my fear of water kicked in. We got a call in the middle of the night. My wife responded better than I did, just being honest with you. I turned almost into a little child. I was weeping, I was on my knees. You talk about praying. I'm just telling you. Because fortunately what I thought was coming. I, here's what I saw. I saw just a great big huge old wave coming up over the backside of that ship. And just swallowing that ship. Turning it upside down. And I probably wouldn't survive that first wave. And I know when it got turned upside down, I wasn't going to survive that. Fear gripped my heart. You know, you know what needs to happen to me today? I need to get a fear of God like I had a fear of that water. <laughs>